I just do think that playing baseball and other sports, it just allows to set you up for life and, and kind of what it has in store. And then the grit component, the toughness and continuing to take ground balls and taking one off your chest and to still stick your nose in there and try to catch the baseball or hit off the tee or soft toss and you, you, you make an air and you still got to go up there and hit. And those are things that you got to pick yourself back up and, and the team aspect of, uh, you know, serving others and playing for others and depending on other people, but also, you know, holding yourself accountable. So. Coach Ballgame, today we are fortunate to have Mr. Dave Doc Roberts. Very excited. Wait a second. The manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers? Dave Roberts, two-time World Series champion, once as a player, once as a manager. He's amazing. Great leader. Cannot wait to get him on here. I can't either. I've been very excited for this one for a while. And, you know, our podcast is about uh, helping coaches be better coaches and parents be better parents. I can't think of a better guy who has been there, done that, and, and and just has the credibility that I think any youth coach would look up to and listen to um, uh, for advice. He's got enthusiasm. He's got this like contagious joy about him, even the way he walks. Um, I've never met him, but I've 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 kind of been around him and said hello once and I, I'm going to talk to him about it uh, when he comes on because it's super fun but um, yeah I mean, I mean the guy could have played football at Air Force he was a great quarterback great basketball player in high school decided to go the baseball route uh, and he, it seems like he just made it on grit and enthusiasm he had all of this um this this joy for life and and baseball and uh yeah 2004 i mean he, he stole that bag at fenway park yeah and there's a world series um but yeah uh, uh, you've you've been around him a lot uh, what uh what kind of things would you tell your grandchildren about doc i mean just the level and we'll touch on this with him but just the level of respect that he shows everybody from the parking attendant to, you know, everybody. And it's special and it's contagious and it's it's just an, an incredible example of leadership. And he is just everything that people see when they, they haven't necessarily met him, like you said, like that joy, that enthusiasm, it's real. And uh, it's more than that. It's, it's the respect, it's the kindness, it's the making you feel like you're the most important person in his universe when you're talking to him. It's it's something that I try to emulate, and I'm fortunate enough to have some really good coaches in my life. Uh, Tim, o Tim O'Donohue, uh, when I was in high school, who's, you know, two, 1993 California Coach of the Year, amazing, and and Doc. And those are the two that really stand out. I've had others, but, man, Doc is, he's, I can't say enough good things about him. I just, he's the best. Yeah. Well, I mean, the guests we've had so far, Nick Hunley, Javier Lopez, there's so many great sound bites uh, in those episodes, just nuggets that any yeah. parent could take and and run with and 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 just shine a light on, um, you know, the, the issues going on with with youth sports and how we can really we can really um, make a difference in in the mental health of children uh, in a time when it is 
sky high, just uh, anxiety and depression with, uh, you know, preteens and teenagers, uh, where can they go escape and, and have some joy? They can do it on a soccer field, on a basketball court, on a baseball field. And for me, where did I run to when I was a kid? Yeah. Um, when I needed to find the happy in life, it was there. It was, it right. was in athletics. And when you got a mentor uh, on that baseball field or that soccer field, basketball court, wrestling mat, whatever it is, who cares, who's loving, who's nurturing, who can make you laugh, man, that means everything uh, to a kid. So yeah, uh, I can't wait to unpack uh, the doc, Dave Roberts, and just how he treats other people and how he goes about coaching. Like I'm yeah. going to, this is going to be a tutorial for me and I'm going to be taking notes left and right. Um, so His that's character. very exciting. His, uh, his character trait that I want to, not just for the coaches, but for the players, that enthusiasm, right? So as we're working with youth, like we got to start breathing that, like, hey, your character matters and like what you bring to a team matters. And if you bring that enthusiasm, that's how Doc really like solidified himself on that UCLA college team, right? It was, he was good at baseball, right? But he walked on, if I'm correct, and we'll confirm that with him. But what we saw was like it was enth his enthusiasm that like solidified his role on that team and it's infectious and like for our youth what you bring to the field matters and it doesn't mean we're going to be great all the time but having that intentional positive vibe is powerful and it can take you a long way on and off the field it's awesome uh awesome so we'll get to that in just a little bit you had um you had a good story from from the week you wanted to share please do tell Okay, well, yeah, great. Uh, we've had some some great opportunities with some uh, some young athletes that have been coming over to our club. And every time we get an opportunity to work with an athlete, uh, I thank the parents because it's a big responsibility, right? And uh, and they're trusting us to help their athletes. So we had a, and yes for for the listener. Um, what exactly uh, are you doing? What age groups um, uh, are you working with? This is uh, 13 and 14 year olds. So uh, OV Mets baseball club out here in Oro Valley. And uh, so we got a, a 13 year old, very good athlete, but uh, he made a mistake at practice. And, uh, and as a coach and coaches be mindful of this, like body language, right? He made a mistake and right away he showed that like shoulders down, like, Oh no, I let coach down or I made a mistake and like, I'm in trouble. Right. So and he's never had me. This is my first time coaching because I, I just got home and he was out of town. So more of the story, he's never been in a practice setting with me. So I was able to walk over to him and say, hey, hang on a second. Now, I, I, we, don't, we, we want you to be fearless. Like this, this environment is a fearless environment. I want you to be fearless and aggressive. And when we do something that, you know, was a mistake, like it's just an opportunity for us to learn and grow as a club. So we were doing rundowns and he didn't create a throwing lane totally fine. So it's like, okay, here, this is why. And I'm glad that that happened. You threw the ball off the runner's back. That's why it's important. So like, we're going to learn from it, but you got to know right away that I'm not mad and I will never be mad. Like, we're just going to correct it. And then we're going to move forward. And, uh, and it was awesome because his body language changed and that's it as a coach. Like if we, and we've talked about this in the past, if you have this vibe of like, oh no, if I mess up, coach is going to yell, or we're all going to run, which we've all seen. That's not it. You know, and that's not the vibe and the kids aren't going to learn that becomes our own ego as coaches. And that's not helping the kid. 
So it was really, really cool. And uh, we got to talk a little bit about it on Sunday. We had our golf tournament and he came up to me and we had this really good conversation. Great kid. And he's working his tail off and I'm proud of the work he's putting in and uh, a really special moment that I could just tell him, Hey dude, like you be fearless and you be confident. And even when we make a mistake, we need to carry ourselves with confidence. And, uh, and it was awesome. It was a really cool moment. Well, when you take the fear out of it, when you take that whole aspect out of a play and, and that's a high leverage moment there, right? Where you're trying to get a, a runner out. If you take the fear out of it, then, I mean, there, there's so much more that kid can do. There's so many more things that kid can try and learn from. Like if they're, if they're holding on tight because they know they're going to get yelled at if they mess up, then they're not going to try that extra step out of the baseline. They might not try that that uh, that extra bit of heat on that ball or, or just be willing to fail. I, my theater arts teacher gave me the best coaching advice ever for my baseball players. Be more than willing to fall flat on your face. Mm. Like, yes, be, be so willing to to embarrass yourself and and fail completely, um, because when when there's that freedom, then you grow your ceiling just goes way way higher as far as how how far away you can get and then my wife also gave me that uh when I was starting to pass out flyers for my first coach ball game baseball camp and, and she's just giving me that that boat of confidence fail uh, uh, yes I mean a hundred people are going to be like, who's this dude? And what's this flyer? And totally. I'm going to throw it in the trash. Yep. And these are all the thoughts that go in my brain. And she's just like, yeah, do that. Make people feel uncomfortable. Uh, what you're doing matters and it's necessary. So yeah, uh, just having the freedom to fail and fall flat on your face and embarrass yourself, you know, uh, you need a mentor like you to, to give that confidence to a teenager uh, because especially at a young age, that's yeah. hard. That's hard to just open up and say, yeah, I'm going to mess up. Uh, it, it, it's it's going to happen. But I think the we only way I was, yeah. I was celebrate saying, we, it. We, we do, we celebrate it. So we had a moment last week where one of our fastest runners, uh, stud, right? He's on second base and obviously ground ball hit behind him. So he's trying to advance while well, was hit to the pitcher, right? So it was behind him, but the pitcher fielded it. Now we got this rundown and, and he was out, right? Well, I got all excited and I loved it. I said, Jaden, that was awesome. Because here's the thing. Every one of us on this field probably would have made that exact same decision, right? So you're being a good teammate and you were thinking aggressive. We have to make sure it gets past the pitcher. But instead of the, oh, great, here we go. Coach is going to make us run. We made another mistake. No, we all talked about it as a club and we celebrated Jaden's effort. And we got better because that was just practice. And in the game, we're all going to remember that just because the ball's behind you, you have to make it clear the pitcher on a ground ball. It was awesome. That's the vibe. And then later in practice, I thank Jaden because he's working his tail off. He wants to be a sprinter. I mean, he's fast. He's so fast. So he hit a ground ball and we had a guy on second and our shortstop came up, pump fake to first because Jaden was running. So he wasn't going to get him slow roller. And then we looked for the play at third. Amazing. So I once again told Jaden, told my shortstop, hey, great read. But more importantly, hey, Jaden, you've been working so hard at your speed. And because of the work you're putting on outside of the field, you gave us that opportunity to work on something that normally doesn't even come up in practice. It's just cool. So as coaches look for those moments where you can celebrate their effort and their sacrifice. And if they make a mistake, turn it into a positive. Yep. I, I was listening back to 
episode two where me and you were just uh, chatting in the office here uh, about our failures. And it, it, it made me realize, I think in that moment with Jaden, 15 years ago when I'm starting out coaching, I would have been looking for the wrong. I would have been looking for what went wrong so I can fix it for my own ego. Same. So, so everybody knows I'm a better coach and I can create a winner. Um, 15 years later with white in my beard, (laughs) I, I'm now looking for the celebration. What can we celebrate out of three mistakes that I just noticed, right? Um, The kid did not get in a great position to field the ball, kind of bent over at their waist, threw the ball down here from the side instead of following through nicely. Um, And then the base runner made a mental mistake when they could have, um, they they could have been safe. There's three wrongs, but man, uh, I think three wrongs uh, definitely makes a right if you're looking through the right lens. And yeah, find what you can celebrate. I would have, I was a terrible outside fastball hitter. Like I, uh, even into college, I was Deadpool. I I like to yank everything. I like to lean and lunge and pull everything. And it took, it took, um, it took the confidence and it took the freedom uh, of, of being late, letting the ball travel and, and being okay with, with swinging late for me to ever learn how to hit that outside pitch. Uh, thanks to a coach that I had at Brown University that worked with me a lot and taught me a couple great drills of how to let it travel. And then, yeah, just be okay with being late. Um, because I think uh, the anxiety uh, would build in me where I'd see that outside pitch and I'm like, well, I don't want to I don't want to wait and just let the ball get in the catcher's mitt and be late. So I would lunge and lean and, and roll over it, but at least I made contact and just having a coach being like, how about a strikeout? Right. How about, how about (laughs) nine foul balls? Yeah. And the dugout um, to the first base dugout. Right. right? Um, Why not? Why not? Because right now the ceiling is pretty low for your rollover to third base. So uh, let's just look at it logically stay tall, stay back, let it travel and, and swing and miss late or, uh, or just nub it down the first baseline as you get through this. And yeah, those are the things I celebrate when I'm working with kids on hitting that outside pitch. Uh, now I can use those things from, uh, from my failures uh, in college and, and even in high school for those kids now. And, um, man, it, 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 it just, it, it brings so much more happiness to the field. Like we talk about the, the uptick in your happiness with this podcast. I've found such an uptick in my happiness um, from, from chatting with you about um, the way coaching should be. Uh, that's how we're going to create happiness with these kids and these parents. So we just finished a Sandlot season and, you know, I'm, I'm working with kids ages three through 13 we just finished our fall season and nice. um, we'll start our winter season after Thanksgiving starts. But um, I can't tell you how many, how many kids um, that, that would not be playing the game of baseball have come out to the sandlot in their blue jeans and they've thrived and um, they've told their friends about it. And now they're playing and they want to go to an angels game or a Dodgers game um, all because of this, this, this idea as a coach that we're looking for 
something to celebrate. Yeah. And, and it, it um, transfers over to the parents where they walk up to the field with their lawn chair and there's more smiling faces. There's not a, as much looking at the scoreboard um, and, and, and wondering, hmm, uh, is my kid going to get that, that starting job in high school? No, uh, at, especially at this age, uh, they haven't even uh, hit middle school yet. Just give them the love uh, for the game and want, make them just want to come back because of how much celebrating there is going on. So I saw it last night with, with a brother and a sister who, who came for the first time, and it was the final game of the season. Uh, but uh, these two just wanted to try it out and see what it was like. And to kind of look, look through their eyes at, at, you know, something we created for eight weeks straight and, and all of these kids knew each other and here's these two newcomers, but to see how included they were by all the other coaches, like uh, we, we gave them a nickname pretty quick and they just, they immediately jumped on board um, and, and kind of figured everything out. Oh, they're singing this weird song about dancing on a toilet to get down and ready. Oh, they're cheering this hitter's nickname over and over every time they bat. Wait, everybody's giving a fist bump to the person that just got out. And, you know, before you know it, they're right in there. And, and yeah. they've made a couple new friends. And I don't think they played much baseball at all. Uh, but they were 10, 11 years old. And, uh, and they had a great time. So, um, yeah, I, I love that idea of looking for something to celebrate uh, as opposed to looking for the wrong, it, uh, it means the world to these kids. It's in, it's, it's true as a coach, like, what are you coaching, right? Like what's your goal? So I want our coaches, we want our coaches that are listening to this and hopefully this can permeate youth sports. Let's start coaching their heart, like coach the kid's heart, you know, coach them how to be kind and fist bump the kid who got out and don't roll your eyes if a, if a teammate makes a mistake. Look at him and say, hey, I got you right here. You know, hey, I'm going to get you a ground ball right here. Let's go. We got this. We'll pick each other up. And that's powerful. Uh, my my four-year-old this morning heard your voice, and he said, that's coach ball game. I want to go back there, Dad. So Titus, yeah, shout out to Titus. But that's that's that vibe that that you set. And so for us, as coaches, celebrating the positive, and really, if we want to coach, coach the process, right? Like, there's there's nothing wrong with – Hey, Billy, you made a mistake there. That's okay. What were you trying to accomplish? Right. And all of a sudden we can get into that process. Hey, how was your heart rate? A little fast, right? Okay. Well, this is just practice. So what's going to happen in the game? Is it going to get even faster or slower? It's going to speed up, right? So let's start practicing knowing what we're going to do before the ball's hit and having that slow heart rate in practice. So hopefully that'll transition into the game, but so much about process and, and more importantly, like their heart like treating people with love and kindness. And that's what's cool about having Doc on today because he treats everyone with such kindness and respect that it is, it is the model for, uh, for coaches, for dads. It's awesome. And that's why uh, I, I want to I ask a man like that who is so positive and kind to everyone, okay, how do you go about challenging um, that one out of 50 that just won't, won't do what you ask or they don't jump on the bandwagon. And I have a question for you, Chad Chump. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Thank you, Nick Hunley. I've That's been using Nick that so much. I've used uh, it too. And add a boy to you because um, my daughter, 
is the most social, personable gal in her school. And we just had a parent-teacher conference with her teacher, uh, but it gets her in trouble sometimes and she doesn't focus or listen uh, in math class. And uh, this idea of, of just eating the elephant one bite at a time that is her being her her she is wired to be social she is wired yeah. to just talk 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 and it gets her in trouble when she's supposed to focus and listen on a lesson and i used that quote <laughs> with the teacher i said thank you for being on board <laughs> to try and eat this elephant one bite at a time because we've tried uh, yeah. we've, we we have discussed it and um and and given consequences and been firm and been stern and tried to be loving and um if you can just look at that as one small step at a time and and you've got to just trust that when it matters when they're grown um that it's all going to work out in the end it makes it easier for a coach i know that uh, yeah. just eat, eating eating elephants so um a big elephant we're trying to eat is this uh, youth culture of, uh, of aggressive parenting. Uh, also can't wait to touch on that with, with Dave Roberts, but um, I, uh, the piggyback kind of what you ran into last week with coaches getting thrown out and umpires getting uh, cursed at, you know, I, I ran into a dad uh, who umpires in Marietta um, uh, voluntarily because the umpires, uh, they just left, they left yeah. the little league and, and yeah. they said, you know what, we're just going to let you it. guys umpire. Yeah. We're not, it's not worth it. Yeah. This aggressive yelling and, and cursing from the bleachers and from the dugouts. Um, we're going to go do our own thing. Uh, and, and you guys can figure out how to umpire your game. So, they have volunteer dads and brothers that, that do all that stuff now. Um, but Hey, uh, I think we're doing a pretty good job episode by episode, trying to, trying to change this culture. It, it is not going to happen overnight. I know that. Well, they, they say win at all costs. So let's change that to win the kid's heart at all costs. Right. And that may cost you a game. It may cost you your ego, but let's win the kids' hearts at all costs. How about that? You care if I write that one down? I think I think that's something that we write down. That could that came be to me this morning. Win the kids' heart at all at costs. All costs. I love that so much. Well, let me uh, let me introduce our guest today. Uh, we are so fortunate to have Mr. Dave Doc Roberts. Uh, he's the best leader I've ever seen. Uh, he leads by example. He makes everyone feel validated and important. I can speak to that uh, from my own experience. Uh, his record as a manager, 542 wins, 330 losses. That's amazing. I did a little bit of research. He's never managed a team that was below 20 games over 500. That's awesome. Uh, he's, he's the best. And, Doc, thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to have you. Good morning. Fellas, uh, good to be here. Um, I love it. Um, this is a good way to uh, start my off season and catch up with you guys. Uh, talk leadership, culture, baseball, uh, any direction you want to go, Chopper. Thank you, guys. Love that. Go ahead, Coach Ballgame. Awesome. Well, just hearing that first, fellas, uh, right there. I, you, you just you have a way of uh, of 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 making other people just. Mm. 
jump up. Uh, I just had a sip of coffee or something. I feel good. And it's that, <laughs> it's that enthusiasm you bring. And um, I, I have a lot to unpack because I just love watching you coach the game, but I've never met you, but I was, I was interviewing some players at the 2018 uh, all-star game in Cleveland. And you didn't know me from Moses, but you walked out of the dugout to do some interviews and you see me with this conga drum and this funny hat and you just look right at me and you wave like you'd known me for a hundred years. And I was like, <laughs> that that's a coach right there. That hey, is a guy. Anyone rocking a hat like that deserves <laughs> some extra love for sure. No <laughs> doubt about it. You know what? I, I think it's just one of those things where, you know, I, I get that from a lot of people in and outside the game, but you know, it's about relationships. And I think that, you know, whatever you do, it's like, if you can kind of focus on the people and just building relationships, then it just makes it more fun. Uh, you know, it just makes it more gratifying and it makes your job, which you're obviously getting paid to do more fun and easy to kind of navigate. Well, and on that topic, uh, uh, Chad Chopper just said, um, in this culture of youth sports, where we're trying to win at all costs and it, it's something we started a podcast for to try and turn that culture on its head instead of winning at all costs. He said, win the kid's heart at all costs. And I think if, if you're coaching the heart and you're coaching the person as opposed to the player, you kind of look up, you look through a different lens and, and it becomes way more about nurturing and, 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 and just respecting other people, which you do. Uh, big time and and I look up to you because of that so um, thank you thank you for the way you go about it no uh, Chopper's right uh, coach Balgain he, he's right and, and I think it's, it's interesting it's like when you start and focus on the heart you know whether it's obviously parent to to to, to athlete to, to child um, but coach to uh, athlete to player player to player and it's like you start you know, one of the things that I always learned is, you know, when you when you get to, to our level of, uh, of coaching, it's, you know, do you care about them? Do they know you care about them? Can they trust you? And can you make them better is the third one. But it starts with the heart. And it's like when you can start getting people to kind of trust each other, care about each other, then they want to play for one another and they're more, more open. And then the wins uh, will be a byproduct and, and ultimately have fun. But and we're talking about youth right now. And um you know, there's a long way from from youth baseball or soccer or sports in general to big league baseball. Big time. Yeah. Apples and oranges, as I like to say it. Um, I'll get my first question out of the way and then I'll kick it back to you, Chopper. Uh, your nickname. I always give kids nicknames. That's like how I engage them and, and kind of make them feel welcome. What's your nickname and how'd you get it? So uh, my nickname is Doc. Uh, D-O-C. Um, it, it's D-O-C um, without the uh, extra eight years of education. Um, I didn't go to medical school, so my initials are D-R, Dave Roberts. Um, college, I, I was called, my buddies just called me D-R, and then when I, once I signed a pro contract within the minor leagues, it was, it was Doc and Hit Doctor, and then it just kind of shortened to Doc. And um, so now I can differentiate from college friends, uh, who <laughs> DR, professional baseball, it's Doc, and then high school is just Dave. So um, it, it, I wish I had more. I wish I had 
eight more years of education to say I was smarter than I really am, but it's just simple DOC doc. It fits. And he, he is, he is, I mean, he's selling himself a little bit short. He's got a PhD in how to treat people. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that. Uh, hey doc, what was your, or what is your favorite thing about baseball? Well, um, my favorite thing about baseball, you know, it, it, it's, I can kind of look at it from a couple of different lenses now. Um, from a player standpoint, I think um, it's just such a difficult game. It's a game of failure. Um, you've got to like, it's a quick recovery. You, you punch out with the bases loaded. You still got to go out there and play defense and, and potentially make a play for your team. I, I just love the, the, team aspect of it because ultimately you know it takes nine guys you know on the field offense defense um, but more than that obviously for a ball club but it's the individual battles too you know in the batter's box you versus the pitcher uh, me as a base dealer me and the pitcher me and the catcher the cat and mouse game so I love the game within the game uh, underneath that kind of umbrella of the team and as a coach um, the game of baseball so many different um, components, variables, people to try to come together to win one ball game. And then that mindset to then extrapolate that for eight months and to try to uh, compete at a high level every single day. Um, there's a lot of things that go into my day, but the best part, and I tell my coaches pretty much every day is uh, right when that national anthem plays, that's the best part of my day because everything else is behind us, the preparation, and now it's just pure baseball. That's great. Uh, two things I want to I want to jump on with that. The first thing is uh, you talk about the game and it's a game of failure, and uh, and that's so true. Uh, we talked about a, a situation last week where we had a second baseman who made an error, and he had that body language and uh, like, like he had failed. So we came off the field and I said, "Hang on a second now." We respond. So I cannot wait to see how you respond. And his body language changed, and he went in, came up, and hit a three-run homer. And as a coach, yeah, I just got the chills because it's like, that's it. You know, it doesn't matter what happens. Get back in the moment and, and just do your very best. It's okay. We're going to fail, but how do we respond? That, so that's a great yeah. story. That, that's great. And, and that's something that that young man's going to remember forever. And that, that's a life lesson. And, and I think with baseball, and that's why I do believe that people that uh, kids, and I was a three-sport athlete you know, in high school. And even before that, I played soccer. And I just do think that playing baseball and other sports, it just allows to set you up for life and, and kind of what it has in store. And then the grit component, the toughness and continuing to take ground balls and taking one off your chest and to still stick your nose in there and try to catch the baseball or hit off the tee or soft toss and you, you, you make an error and you still got to go up there and hit. And those are things that you got to pick yourself back up and, and the team aspect of, uh, you know, serving others and playing for others and depending on other people, but also, you know, holding yourself accountable. So that's stuff that I, I've learned uh, as I've gotten older, I instill it in my kids and I'm very fortunate to have two great kids and a wife that supports that as well. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say, and I'll kick it over to you, coach ballgame. No one gets to know this, but the folks that are in the clubhouse, but my favorite part of the day was not the national anthem. It was you running out to the national anthem because you hear doc just loving on everybody that comes in all the way down to Clyde. Who's awesome. And he's the guy that's making sure we're following the rules for all the protocols. And doc just loves on, Hey, chopper, let's go rhyme let's it's the best. It's this wave of enthusiasm and it's infectious. You're the best doc coach ball game.
Wow. Well, you, you, you started to touch on it as far as multiple sports. And I, I feel like I play basketball and football as well as baseball too. And uh, like you said, just the grit um, it really came from football. I feel like my footwork came from basketball and, and that's what made me able to play outfield in college uh, as a baseball player is the grit and, and the footwork. Uh, should kids play multiple sports? And, and if so, why? So it's interesting. Uh, my first uh, knee jerk answer is yes, I did. But I can look at my son who didn't. He was a baseball player. And uh, that was a decision he made. Um, I try to encourage him to play other sports, but he just had this love uh, for baseball. Um, but I do think, and Coach Ballgame, you, you nailed it. You know, all these different things and skill sets that kind of help other things um, in sports and outside of sports. Um, so for me, I encourage it because you learn a lot of different things from a lot of different sports. And, um, you know, not everyone's going to get to be uh, Mookie Betts or Tom Brady. Um but you can also, but you do have a very good chance to be a leader in your community and be successful in your own right. And I do believe that playing other sports allows for that. The hard thing now is um, when you want to uh, excel in, in a particular sport, even at the high school level, these kids are playing travel ball at such an early age. And so now when you're not dedicating the extra hours in that one particular sport, you're behind. And if you're not a freak of nature like a LeBron James, um, which 99.9 .9 of us are not, you're uh, at a disadvantage. And so that's where the compete, the fun, if you're not playing, um, you know, getting able to play and like be an active participant, then it's not as fun. So how do you combat that? you focus on a sport, you play travel ball, you hone your skills. So it's tough. And I will say that the athletes now, um, the players or skill sets are considerably better than when we were younger because there's more of a, a, a focus. Um, I don't know if athletically they're better, but I do think that if you're going to play baseball, when you're trying to play three other sports or two other sports, you're at a disadvantage. So parents these days, it, it's tough. And I, I, I went through it. Um, I'll, I'll, this is something I've been wanting to ask you for a while and, and we just touched on it a, a little bit and then we'll kick it back to you chopper. But, um, the reason I started the sandlot, which is just this neighborhood pickup game is because I had kids at age seven and eight coming to me and saying my travel ball baseball coach won't let me play soccer, uh, because I got to play year round baseball. And the kid was sad. He, he wanted to hang out with his soccer friends. He also wanted to hang out with his baseball friends. He also just wanted to be a kid and hang out with his folks. So uh, I've run into this aggressive uh, travel ball culture, especially at a young age. And I sense the reason that these coaches and parents get so loud and yell at these umpires at these tournaments is because they want to they want their kid to be seen by a Dave Roberts. They want their kid to be seen by a high level coach. What is your advice to that parent? And, and, and what is your advice to that youth coach out there? Um, that, that's, it's, it's, that's thought, that sentiment. It, it's real. Um, you know, some, the irony is that um, 
and I'll get to your, your question. The irony is that a lot of people that have made it, quote unquote, made it as far as at the highest level, they're not pushing their kids to, to, uh, to do that. And I think that it's understanding that, and my dad didn't, my mom didn't. Um, it was kind of allowing me to do whatever I had fun doing and, and competing. And, and I think part of it is that they want their kids to be seen. Um, part of it, I think that um, they want to leverage the sport to potentially get into college, which is so competitive, which I totally understand. Um, the other part of, I think that they didn't have that experience of being an elite athlete or having that opportunity. And so they want that for their son or daughter. And so they feel that if they push and it gives them the best chance for success, which not always is success. It ultimately sometimes leads to burnout. Um, but I think to your question, coach Boggan, it's communication and um, it's continuing to give encourage, but you know, hearing and understanding your child, which no one should know their kids more than the parents. And um, obviously at, you know, five, seven, seven years old, and you mentioned, they don't know what, they don't know a whole lot at that point in time, but you, you know, you start keeping a keen ear and eye on if they're having fun or not, if they're kind of bowing out of practices or making excuses. So I, I just think it's just kind of, it just comes back to the house though. Communication. Yeah it's, yeah. it's something that we talked about a few weeks ago as a coach, your intensity is not going to fuel the kid's passion, right? So same as a parent, like if you have this, I really want it for him. That's not it. Think back to Wayne Gretzky's dad, where he said like the greats, you have to tell them to stop, right? You have to tell them, Hey, it's time to come in, Wayne. It's time to come inside. You got to eat dinner. You got to do your homework and take a shower. You haven't showered in a week. So uh, as parents, we got to be able to see that. And whatever your kid's passion is, I mean, shoot, Doc, Emmy's got a voice like an angel, and she loves to sing. I mean, she has a voice like an angel, and that's a passion of hers. It's amazing. So you're fueling that passion. She's also really good at ping pong. Um, but but as, a, as a parent, you just fuel their passion. It's great. So uh, I love that. That's great. Yeah, advice. it is. And it's like, and you mentioned my daughter, and she's actually applying to schools right now. She's a senior in, in high yeah. school. And um I'm not pushing her to, to go into performing arts school or go to Juilliard or do shows. And it's uh, something that she knows she's got talent, but she wants to be a regular student. And, yeah. you know, it, it's just to succeed at a high level in anything, you've got to have that full commitment. And so I just think that, and I, when I go out and speak and talk to kids and parents, I just think there's so many more other more important jobs than what I do. I, I just have a job that I'm on TV all the time. But, um, and, and I think even if I didn't have a 10 year major league baseball career or managing a big league ball club, I would have been successful in my own right. And, and I'm not talking about financial. I, I'm talking about leading, uh, you know, people uh, in the community and being an upstanding citizen and being a great father and, and husband and I think that that's more important than anything so um but I do think that it kind of comes full circle with playing various sports communication uh the teamwork and, and what youth sports has done for each one of us and so many people so it's important what doc just said and for our listeners this is what we talked about last week where coach ballgame you said I don't know why I'm being so blessed and having all these opportunities and Javier Lopez said I don't know why the good Lord blessed me. And Doc just said, like, I would have been successful either way because of how I treat people. And I would have had an impact in my community and how he loves everyone he comes in contact with. To me, that's why the good Lord blesses people like Doc. It's because their intentions are true and, and pure. 
Uh, that's awesome. Doc, question for you. Who had the greatest impact on you as a player manager uh, and as a man? So your baseball career and just you as a person. Um, I think uh, initially my father, um, you know, he was in the Marine Corps, served 30 years in the, in, uh, the Marine Corps, served our country for 30 years. And he always showed up. Uh, I, I don't know how he did. He was in his fatigues and whether it was uh, football baseball, basketball, he would always show up and he would coach some of my teams when I was younger. And he always found a way to show up and be there for me, get me to practices. Uh, I don't know how he did it, but he did. Um, I had a coach in, uh, in high school, Coach Smith, and he's the one who literally dragged me to UCLA and said, Coach Adams at UCLA, you need Dave Roberts on your ball club. Uh, every team needs a Dave Roberts. Uh, he's raw, he's green, but you need him. Um, so he instilled a lot of work ethic, respect, uh, and, and made me believe myself. Coach Adams at UCLA yeah. uh, really uh, honed my skills as a ball player. And um, I, I still am very close to him today. Um, and just watching how he led our group with enthusiasm and love. And that's what I try to emulate each day. Um, Maury Wills, uh, the great Maury Wills, 1962 MVP. Uh, once I was with the Dodgers, he just took extra time and, and love for me to kind of hone my craft on stealing bases, bunting, and understanding who I am as a ball player. And uh, he's the guy that the good angel on my right shoulder saying uh, in game four, the ALCS, that DR, this is what we talked about. Everyone in the ballpark knows you're going to steal second base. You can't be afraid to steal second base. And so I trusted him, and he was my sub, my conscious at that moment when I took the field against the Yankees. So, um, so Maury Wills. And then as far as coaching, um, Buddy Black is a good buddy of mine, a mentor of mine. And he was always, he's relentlessly positive. He knows pitching. And um, as a ball player, former ball player, position player, you always think about, we can outscore those guys. But he said, Doc, if you ever want to manage, you better learn to love pitchers and understand pitching. So uh, I, I owe him a lot of credit. I love that. Co uh, Coach Boggy, I'm going to kick it to you in a second, but I want to touch on Coach Adams real quick. He came out and spoke at Laguna Beach High School, Gary Adams, legend, in full uni, full UCLA gear. And uh, one of the kids asked him, like, what do you hope to see if you're scouting a kid? And Coach Adams said, I hope he strikes out four times. Because if I'm coming to see him, I already know he can play. I want to see how he deals with failure, Ooh. right? So, yeah, so that's it. And youth sports, like, teach the heart. Teach them how to resolve, have resolve and respond and, and still stay positive. I tell my kids, you should never, a scout or a coach should never be able to tell the score based on your body language. Love right? that. So, yeah, that's awesome. Coach Ballgame. So good. That's so good. Um, we've taught, me and Chopper have talked about this a lot on this podcast, is just our failures, especially early on as a coach. And, I, I don't think you can become a good coach or a good parent unless you fail a whole bunch. And something that I did early on is I'd get pretty passive aggressive when kids lacked effort. And I've learned along the way that, that meeting each kid on their own playing field and, and finding out how each kid ticks and, um, and just, uh, just being calm when I want to be angry um, helps a lot. But for you, um, how do you challenge a player that, that you can see lacks effort even to a continuous basis? 
Well, yeah, that's a good one. Um, you know, you, you wish as a coach you never had to have those conversations and every player would play every play like it's their last play. Um, that's just not reality. Um, I, I think that I've learned, uh, to your point, as, as the more experience you get, the more you learn and, and the mistakes that you've made, which we've all made mistakes. Um, I, I first and foremost try not to embarrass guys. I, I think that um, when I was growing up, it was about, you know, you put guys on blast and coaches will embarrass you. I just don't think that's the best way to handle it. Um, so uh, one-off conversations, private conversations. Um, also, I, I like to have other players um, kind of go and, and hold their teammates accountable because, you know, as a coach, I think the best teams are when the best teams I've seen is when the players uh, hold each other accountable because no one, wants to not have the respect of their teammates and you don't want to let your teammates down. So I have uh, certain guys that I try to, you know, go to, to kind of, uh, you know, encourage guys to, to uh, ramp up their effort. And, and so, and, and also I've learned as a coach to not take things personal. Um, a lot of times, you know, especially early on in my coaching uh, career, you know, when a guy's not playing hard, you think that it's a slight on you. And then it kind of gets under your skin. Then you react uh, with emotion and it just never ends well. But a lot of times they're just, they're frustrated or they're just having a bad day and that happens. Um, but I do think that it goes back to that communication piece. And, you know, when you can have that trust uh, in a player and know that he knows that you care about him, he or she knows you care about him, then you can kind of be more pointed, direct, and you can really connect with the player. Beautiful. I got no rebuttal there. Chopper, back to you. All right. Can you guys hear me okay? I had a little technical difficulty, but it sounds like, okay, we're all good. Perfect. Uh, we Internet decided to kick out, but that's fine. Uh, we'll, we'll get through it. We're grinders, Doc. We'll get through it. Uh, okay. So, uh, Doc, uh, you treat everyone with such respect and kindness. Where did you learn that, and why do you do it? Um, I learned it from my mom. Um, she's, uh, from, she's Japanese from Okinawa. Um, she was always, uh, instilling in me eye contact, um, a good handshake, respect people. Um, and I, I think that's kind of the core of it. Um, but I also think that my faith has a lot to do with it. Um, I, I think that, you know, the only perfect human that walked the uh, earth was Jesus and just the way that he was such a servant leader. And so kind of my leadership is kind of mirrors that and uh, showing compassion and, and love. And, and I just think that, you know, when I, when I live my daily life of trying to pour into other people, it actually makes my life more fulfilling. Uh, does it at times do, does my tank empty? Absolutely. Um, but I do feel when I can pour into people and uh, bring some sunshine and some positivity uh, to their day, um, it, it just makes things better uh, on a micro level in our world uh, where now things are just so negative at times, it seems. Love that. I have two points to make. Then, Coach Bagel, I'm going to kick it over to you. Uh, one point is I want to share a quick story uh, about Doc. And he touched on that he has a lot going on before the game. He has a lot going on before the game. There's meetings. Uh, his preparation level second to none. And uh, 2019, before COVID, we were able to bring our kids around. Uh, Doc's a big family guy. So I had my oldest, Michael, 
and we were walking by Doc's office and he hadn't met Michael yet. So I, I thought I'd just quickly like, hey, Doc, this is my son, Michael, but then let him go because he's got stuff to do. Uh, there's a big, big league ball game coming up. And uh, Doc took 15 to 20 minutes. He got out of his seat, walked around and gave Michael this eye contact and this respect. And Michael felt like the most important guy in the whole world. Doc asked him about his favorite food and what, he's, what he likes about school and what position. And it was just so special. It made my son feel like, you know, Cody Bellinger. And, uh, and it got to a point where I said, all right, Doc, I'm going to let you get back to it because I knew that he had guys lining up outside of his office because they had a meeting to, to get going on. It's an amazing example. Uh, and it's just a glimpse to who you are, Doc. And, uh, and I love it. And I forgot my second point, but it doesn't even matter because I got to share that story. Yeah, well, I'm right there. Yeah. Go go ahead, Doc. No, no, it, it's just and I appreciate you saying that. I, I remember that first meet with, with uh Michael. And um, you know, I I, I just I, I know that the people that you know guys that when you come across them when they're present, and you know guys that are not present. So um whether um parenting, which my wife gives me a talking to many times over to be <laughs> present. Uh, which yeah. I got to continue to be better or you're coaching players. And, and I think that uh, coach Boggan, you said it, you know, earlier on, it's like, you got to kind of be on their field, play on their field. And that's, that's a big key to coaching because everyone, you know, every player has a different field and you got to find out what their field is and um, play by their rules at times. And so I do, I do think that when you can be present and give them certain times and moments uh, it goes a long way. And, there's a lot of people that I come in contact with every day, but I do try to give uh, as many people as I can a moment, you know, whether it's a pat on the behind, a, a, on the shoulder, a hello, a, what's your, what food you eating today, what wine you drinking or meeting a, a coach's uh, son. So it, it just, I think exponentially, it just adds so much uh, enriches uh, the environment, the culture. Yeah. And it makes you want to be better. So what, what you do and the vibe you bring makes, me want to be better, you know, and I do remember my second point. And it's something that I talk about with my kids through failure. And even at the big league level, I would share it with guys at the time when they were going through it, putting others first, right? When you're going through it a little bit, when you get the focus off of yourself and what you're going through and you love on other people around you, there's so much power in that. So that, that that's awesome. Doc. Go ahead, coach ball game. Well, my last thing is I've been hearing this a lot from major leaguers and heard it from you today is the servant leader, right? And growing up, those two words didn't, except for Jesus, they didn't come into play. I, I didn't, I didn't, they, they don't, they don't go together, but um, there's this visual I have of my mentor, a guy who really taught me how to coach and he's on a knee and he's spending a, a good amount of time tying this kid's shoe. And I know when I'm in the middle of a camp with 50 kids, the last thing I want to do is stop and care for this kid's shoelaces. I want to get the thing moving and keep, keep people active. But something occurred to me, that might be the only thing these kids remember in 20 years is just the visual of a grown man kneeling and tying this kid's shoe and making sure that shoelace didn't come off. So um, I just see that in you and I see that in mentors I have of being that servant leader and I don't turn down a shoelace anymore because of it. Um, but one of the things that, that my mentor also taught me about servant leading 
is apologizing when you know you messed up. And I think that's the hardest thing for me, especially with my assistant coaches and my players, is when I know I messed up, being able to own up to it. And this is my last question, but have you ever had to apologize? And if so, how did that, how did that build uh, the, the, the bond? Um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what it did to the bond. Um, it was uh, my second year or third year coaching. It was either in 17 or 18. Um, we had a game at home. And uh, it was a tie ball game going into the uh, ninth inning. So we're at home. So it was a night top of the ninth inning. And uh, the book, the baseball book says that you bring in your closer. And our closer at the time uh, was Kelly Jansen. And um, I decided to go with another reliever um, to save Kelly for a different part of the lineup. And so uh, I used another really, I won't say his name. And he ended up uh, giving up the lead. And so we didn't score in the bottom half. And so it's one of those things that uh, I know that I felt it. And you knew that everyone in the, on the team was saying, why don't we bring in Kenley in the ninth inning to keep it close, to give us a chance in the ninth. And I didn't, uh, we lost the game. So I brought everyone in the clubhouse uh, right after. And it was the balancing act. Cause initially I said, it, the game was on me. Um, I made a decision that I felt was uh, the best chance for us to win. And um, that loss is on me. Um, and I, then I gave the reason why I did it because I believe in the player that I uh, put in at the, in the top of the ninth. Um, but again, and I didn't want to slight him. So that was kind of a little bit of a balancing act, but um, something that, you know, doesn't make sense. Cause if things don't make sense and they don't work out, you better be ready to be accountable to the players. Um, so um, I think that I don't think there was a meeting after the meeting, which is very important. So I, I kind of put it out there and owned it, um, which also uh, lauding our guy that didn't feel great that night, that relief pitcher pitched the top of the ninth inning. So, and also making sure our closer understood my thoughts behind it as well. So I, I have done it and it wasn't the first and it probably won't be the last time. Yeah, and I, I just I'm trying to educate young coaches out there that that might be the most meaningful thing you ever do is sometimes just holding yourself accountable. And um, thank you for sharing that because that inspires me to <laughs> hold myself more accountable. And uh, you know uh, we can't be perfect. So um, thank you, thank you for that. Yeah, and that, that's kind of the point, too, is, is just like Doc did and you said, Coach Volume, when you make a mistake, own up to it, and then that's going to garner more respect from your players and your coaches is like, hey, we all, knew, we all know Coach Shot messed up, but he owned it, and he's going to try to make sure it doesn't happen again. So that's awesome. My last question for you, Doc, and thank you again so much for taking the time. What is a must-have character that you look for in a player? Um, <clears throat> a must-have – uh, character trait. Character trait. Okay. Sorry. Character yeah. trait. Um, I, I think for me, I, I look at, uh, I look at compete. I, I for me, it, it's uh, the ability, and I say compete, and, and it's kind of whether it's toughness, it's grit. I look for compete because um, at the end of the day, when you're not, um, 
feeling well, things aren't going well, you still have to be able to compete. And if you're a competitor, you don't like losing, um, you're going to find a way to win, find a way to help your ball club, find a way to get the job done. And um, so I think for me, and then also, and, and a lot of things that I talk about, I think help you in life. And, and I think life is, you know, you play sports for a small part of your lives. And, but life, uh, if we're blessed enough, can, can be a lot longer. And um, so the compete kind of helps all walks of life. So I think that's, uh, I know it's sort of broad, but the, the compete is something I, I really admire. I love it because compete can drive your decisions, right? Compete can cause you to get to bed a little bit earlier uh, when you're a little bit younger and, and you got a big game the next day or compete can drive you to the gym. Uh, your passion kind of drives your decisions. So I think. Yeah, because competing is not always, people get it twisted. Compete yeah. is not always between the lines. No. You know, it, it's also competing uh, outside the game and that's just as important. When you say compete, the first guy that comes to mind for me, and there's more, but I think back to just this playoff run with Chris Taylor. Because CT3 was grinding leading up to that, uh, that game against the Cardinals. And Visky talked about in the cage where he, he was like, man, he couldn't, even hit, he couldn't even make solid contact in the cage. But you talk about the compete, and he walked him off with a home run. And it's like, that didn't surprise you, I know, because I know how highly you speak of him as a player and as a man. So it's like when you know that you have compete you know, permeating your clubhouse – you'll take your chances. And it does not mean you're going to win every night, but you know that your guys are going to grind and they're going to give every, everything they have that night. And, uh, and I love that, Doc. We appreciate you so much. Uh, I wanted to touch on uh, Red Stitch Winery. So you got Red Stitch Winery with Rich Aurelia. Tell us a little bit about that. No, it's something that this uh, passion project, we started our first vintage uh, with Cabernet was in 2007. Uh, Rich and I played together. And so uh, wine is one of the things that uh, when I'm when I'm drinking wine and, and spending time with food with food and friends, um, baseball kind of goes to the side, which is a nice uh, reprieve from my mind. Uh, my wife calls me Napa Dave. And so sometimes <laughs> she's like, where's Napa Dave? I miss Napa Dave. But Red Stitch, we do Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Cabernet. It's redstitchwine.com. And um, so, yeah, so it, it's fantastic wine. Uh, I just love it. I think it's 1,800 cases produced, but uh, we get good scores and it's quality wine. So uh, I appreciate you bringing that up. And, uh, you know, food and wine is uh, with baseball is, is a perfect pairing. Yeah, it's about family. And uh, speaking of family, my wife uh, insisted that I touch on Trisha Roberts, your awesome wife. She wanted me to tell you and tell the world that's her favorite person on the planet, outside of me, I'm sure. But she loves Trisha. So I had to throw that out there. We love you, Doc. You're the very best. And thank hey, you so much for taking game, the time. Chopper, thank you guys for having me on. I enjoyed it immensely. Thank you, fellas. Thanks for what you guys do. Have a great day. Atta boy. Awesome. Right. What what an amazing guest. I mean, just, just you want to talk about competing man. and competing. Your your uh your families compete uh during the games. I was there and yeah, the right shops. right around your wives and all the kids. Yeah, and in that wild card game, oh like they're hanging <laughs> on to every moment. Every and, moment. and it's like, oh, that's that they compete more than the players do 100 100 wives the wives had rituals too they did that's right (laughs) how would you get into those rituals (laughs) awesome all right doc have a great day all right fellas thank you guys awesome all right take care
See you later. Bye. I mean, come on doesn't now. Get, doesn't get much better than than Doc Roberts. It doesn't. I was just writing down words like communication, Maury Wills, Coach Adams, one-off conversations, uh, having other players discuss things, um, be ready to be accountable, uh, compete, um, and servant leader. Like that's that's what I wrote down during that talk. It's great, and and it's a it's a it's a common theme. Right. The servant leader is that's who we're bringing on. And uh, and like next week, we got a real special guest. And it's the same thing. Uh, the amount the amount they do in the community and uh, just more importantly, who they are as men. And I'm going to touch on it one more time. When you when your heart is in the right place. You're blessed, you know, you you're you're blessed. That's just how kind of how life works. So as coaches, let's fight for their hearts and let's win their hearts at all costs, because the sport's going to come and the sport's going to go. And if they played it as long as they can play it, they'll be 35, 38, 40 years old. But then they got another 30, 40 years. What are they going to do on this earth? If they don't have the heart to serve and love and be kind and uplift others, then we failed as coaches. Start playing the music, Tommy. That's it. Yeah. yeah. That's Walk it. That off. Walk Tommy it off Gold. with win the heart at all costs. That's that. the name of this episode. Hey, folks, um, subscribe, tell your friends. We're on the Google and the Apple and the Spotify. And um, just tell anybody you know that that is passionate about sports, uh, hey, these guys are doing it differently. And they're asking people that have been there, done that, um, how do we make youth sports better? And how do we create better coaches? And it's here. It's with this quote, win the kid's heart at all costs. That's what shapes Dave Roberts's enthusiasm. And that, that's why he coaches the way he does and parents the way he does. Um, it, it's, it's because he's, he knows he's going to be successful, uh, not monetarily, but changing people's lives and make, making people smile. So um Keep putting those those smiles on people's faces. It's why Doc, uh, win or lose, he's the same. So when we win at the big league level, there's high fives, there's music, it's great, it's this, it's that. Well, I've seen in other clubhouses after a loss where it's like, man, this is this is this is tough. Well, Doc walks through and it's like, hey, stay positive. Hey, we'll get him tomorrow. Hey, chopper, keep him going, keep him, keep him motivated, keep him, keep him happy. And it's it's that vibe of knowing like, hey, I trust our process. We have the compete in the room and we, I'll, we'll take our chances, right? So if you're going at it the right way, it's win and learn, right? It's win and learn. You won or you learned and you got better. So uh, great guest. We're so blessed to have him. And I'm blessed to be able to be with you every week, Coach Ballgame. So thankful you're in my life. And I hope you have a great week. Right back at you, man. No doubt the uptick in happiness is there. I'm becoming a better coach one step at a time uh, by uh, just chatting with 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 the chopper here every Tuesday. So same. Um, look forward to next week. Mookie, Mookie Betts, and Coach yes. Hey, uh, Coach Doc Roberts. He touched on. He mentioned Mookie Betts, so that was almost like a good little foreshadowing. We we're real excited, uh, excited to have Mookie on, and what a tremendous man, tremendous leader. Uh, we all know the talent he has, but if you don't know about the stuff he does in his community and his heart, we're going to touch on that next week. Can't wait.
Boom. Bang. Until next time, brother. Get that uptick in your happiness. Let's go.